Okay, I finally get to speak to all the boys that have been picking on my daughters. I've got a big list here. I've just been compiling with names and street addresses. No, uh, nothing like that. It's been a joy to be here. Our children have really enjoyed uh, being a part of the school. As uh, in Vanuatu, they are homeschooled, so this has been a, a new opportunity uh, and a privilege. And uh, we've been just been enjoying uh, the first day that they got to school. We got home and we're like, now what do we do? There's no kids at home. This is a this is a weird feeling. This is a, it was very uh, a, a good relaxed time that we've been able to enjoy. Uh, but uh, now we have uh, Sophia, uh, which is our new daughter that was just born. Uh, so uh, the house is uh, noisy once again. And uh, I don't think it's a shed that I'm building. I think it's more uh, shotguns and bullets. Um, I do have a, a, a principle though. If uh, if anyone does get interested in one of my daughters. They have to survive uh, in the jungle, the village of my choice, uh, for 10 days. Uh, so that's, that's the pre-requirement. Uh, so if you're interested, you need to start uh, training on survival skills. Uh, and uh, so that's what's going to happen from there. But uh, no, it's been, uh, it's, uh, I thank Pastor for giving me the privilege to be able to uh, speak this morning, uh, to be able to share about uh, what God's been doing in Vanuatu. Uh, as I was preparing, I had somebody ask me, uh, what are you going to preach on? Uh, and uh, usually it's kind of a, I guess, a, a kind of a silly question to ask a missionary, uh, what are you going to preach on? Uh, I'm kind of going to stick in the topic of, uh, of uh, what I do, and that is missions. And uh, then the person was asking, are you going to preach on giving? And uh, my initial response was going to be yes, because that's kind of how missions, it all sort of ties in. Uh, but then uh, I decided, you know what, I'm not going to preach on giving today. Not going to preach on giving. So that's my uh, promise to you. I'm not going to preach on giving. However, I am going to read from the Word of God, and the Apostle Paul's going to speak about some stuff, but I'm not going to preach on giving. Uh, that's, that's not what I'm going to do today, uh, but uh, let's have a look at 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verses uh, 1 to 5. I want us to take us through uh, something that the Apostle Paul does here, and, and he boasts on the churches in Macedonia. Uh, Paul takes some time before leading into uh, what he actually wants to get at, uh, the, the, what he actually wants to tell the church in Corinth, uh, but before he does that, he boasts on the church. And he talks about uh, the churches of Macedonia. It tells us in verses 1, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia. And sort of jumps from here and starts boasting and talking about, isn't it incredible and amazing uh, what these guys have done? And he uses them as an example, as an illustration. Uh, a lot of, uh, I guess, uh, as uh, missionaries, when we come back from the field and we visit churches, uh, we do tend to tell a lot of stories. Uh, the reason we tell stories is we're boasting on what God has done on the mission field. Uh, we usually spend time boasting about people and about works and about sacrifices and what people have done. And we sort of take that principle based on the Word of God. Paul would do this. He would boast on people and say, you know, uh, thank you for, for what uh, these people have done. And then that encourages you in turn uh, to look at that and go, okay, that, that's going to encourage me as well to move forward. Uh, that's why we come to churches. That's why we fellowship with people because you see other people. And although, yes, we look to Christ and he is, he is, he is our, the main person who we follow, but also having fellowship with believers encourages us and sort of pushes us forward as well as we go from there. And so the Paul takes some time to talk and he's going to spend some time uh, commenting on Macedonia and boasting on them and what they had done. Uh, I want to boast on you guys a little bit uh, here at Good Shepherd. Uh, I, uh, I remember, I think, it, I think this used to be like an AC, this was like a big warehouse. I remember playing some video games or something with some missionary kid. I don't know what his name was. I've forgotten long since then. Uh, but I remember as a, as a kid uh, growing up and coming here and visiting this church and 
I remember that uh, this was a church that was focused on missions. Uh, that's what we would pick up as missionary kid, being a missionary kid. You would pick up which were the good churches and the bad churches. I'll tell you how I picked it up. My uh, dad had to deal with me that I would get 10% of whatever he was given uh, if I looked after the table, the display table, and told really good stories and was really, you know, into it. Uh, and uh, so we would go to churches, and I'd quickly pick up which were the good churches and which were the, like, I'm not going to go back to that church. What kind of church is that? They didn't give us anything, you know, sort of, sort of terrible way to sort of focus on churches that way, but uh, but uh, sort of grew up from that and remember coming to Good Shepherd and uh, and uh, you guys have been an instrumental, played an instrumental role even in my life. Uh, you might not realize it, but uh, uh, in uh, 2002, uh, I wanted to propose to my wife uh, and, uh, you know, put a ring and, uh, you know, ask her to marry me. And uh, we used the leadership conference as uh, the way to sort of meet and greet. That's how you kind of did that. As a missionary kid, you waited for conferences because that's when you were going to get to meet people. And, uh, and her parents were going to come up and they actually missed the plane and it was, it was a big disaster. And, uh, but we made it and I asked the question. She said yes, probably regretting it now. But at the time, she was really excited and happy about that. Didn't know what she was saying yes to, but uh, uh, we, uh, we got engaged just before uh, a leadership conference. And I remember it was, uh, it was quite uh, funny how it happened, but uh, Pastor uh, Fisher came down from preaching and he looked at us and he said, you guys should get married. You would make a great couple. And we were kind of like, funny that you say that, but just, you know, there's a ring there. So it just happened. And at that same conference in 2002 is when uh, God spoke on my heart uh, to return uh, no longer as a missionary kid, but as a missionary myself to the field of Vanuatu. Uh, you see, uh, uh, most people would assume that because you're a missionary kid, you should automatically become a missionary. Or if you're a pastor's kid, you should become a pastor. But that's further from the truth. Uh, if you can sort of understand, as a missionary kid, you think, this is the last thing that I want to do with my life. I want to do something else. I want to uh, be an Australian, and I've enjoyed being Australian for the last uh, few weeks here, just enjoying, you know. I just want to be uh, unanimous, go into the shops, and I'm just another person. Uh, that's an enjoyable thing. that You sort of enjoy that. Uh, I don't want to, you know, I, I just want to be able to walk through the aisles and have so many choices uh, that I don't know what to do, and I have a little nervous breakdown halfway through the breakfast aisle because uh, there's too many choices of chocolate breakfast cereal. My wife said, get chocolate breakfast cereal, and I don't know what to do. Uh, you know, those are some things that I want to enjoy. I want to have people cut me off and honk their horns, and, uh, and so that's what, that's what, as a missionary kid, I thought, that's what I would love to do with my life. I'd love to live in Australia, and uh, at a conference here, uh, God worked on my heart and sort of uh, really showed me that uh, the people that God would have me go to and minister to were the people that were the place that God had placed me. And uh, often we, we look at other places and we think, if I was over there, I would do something for God. Uh, if, if God took me there, then I'd be active and I'd really get involved. Uh, but in reality, God calls us to be active and involved where we are and with what God has given us. And so the Apostle Paul boasts on these churches of Macedonia. And he says, uh, you know, we're going to look at, uh, the Apostle Paul's going to talk about them. Uh, he's going to talk about uh, what they did, what they did. He's going to say how they gave, uh, and they, they gave something. And he's going to talk about uh, what they gave. And then he's going to turn around and tell us uh, why they gave, why they gave. And so, uh, give you a bit of background. He's writing to Corinthian churches. These guys had, in a way, in sort of a roundabout way, they came up with the idea of, uh, of taking up this offering. And then because of their idea that they came up with, the Corinthian church, other churches heard about it and wanted to get involved as well. It's kind of how it happens. You hear about somebody else doing something, encourages you uh, to do that as well. And so they heard about it and they wanted to get involved. And so it tells us that 
in verses 2, uh, these guys, and it uses the word grace, and I'll try and explain why it uses that word, uh, but they, they gave, in verses 2, it says that in great trial of affliction, uh, they were in poverty. That was the affliction that was upon them. The abundance of their joy, they did this because of joy, in their deep poverty, abounded unto the riches of their liberality. So they gave out of their poverty. For to their power, and I bear record, yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we would receive the gift and take upon us the fellowship of the ministering to the saints. And this they did. They actually did it. They weren't just talking about it. Not as we had hoped, but first gave of their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. So here we have uh, this churches in Macedonia. And uh, what did they do? They, they gave this gift. How did they give it? It tells us that they gave in spite of their circumstances. Uh, and you find this all over the world that uh, uh, proportionally, the people who give the most tend to be the people who have the less. Uh, you find this uh, throughout the Bible. You find this throughout the world. Uh, but you cannot out, I can honestly tell you, you cannot outgive people in Vanuatu. Uh, I remember once uh, one of my pastors, uh, who's, who's uh, one of our missionaries up in the jungle, uh, he picked up that we were going through some struggles financially. And I remember he actually approached us and he said, he said missionary, if, there's, if things don't go well, just come to the jungle. Uh, you can have my house. You can have my garden. I'll build another house and I'll build another, another garden for myself. And uh, I sort of thought, you know, as I sort of thought, oh, that's nice. You know, you don't really consider it. Then I really thought, what would that mean for an Australian to actually make that statement? Hey, you can come over. You can have my house, have my vehicle and everything, and I will go and start uh, again. Uh, is was really the comment that he was making. Uh, I had some men approach me with a similar situation. Whenever they hear that there's like bad things happening in the world, it, it sort of gets exponential by the time it makes it to Vanuatu. And uh, they heard about, you know, this uh, career is going to explode the world and stuff. And, and they approached me and said, uh, Pastor, you can come and hide in the jungle with us. We will hide you in the jungle uh, if anything really bad happens. And again, we'll give you some land, we'll give you some pigs, and we'll give you a house. And, and uh, the people who have very little will give the most. Uh, now, part of that in Vanuatu is that hospitality is part of their culture. It's almost part of their uh, belief system that uh, you've got to be hospitable to everyone uh, just in case people die before you, they can affect the spiritual world, especially if they were powerful. Uh, so be hospitable to them. And uh, that's why a lot of missionaries uh, died at the hands of some of these countries is they come in and everyone would be smiling and greeting them and they thought this is a good reception. And uh, then uh, they'd fall over somewhere and get clubbed you know, in the back of the head uh, so that he doesn't know who killed him and now we're good. Uh, so you've got to see, you go to these countries and you, you know, people come to Vanuatu, it's the most beautiful, wonderful, amazing country in the world. It's like, yes, uh, but that's part of their hospitality. Uh, they're doing it because it's part of their culture. They must, this is, it's, it's one of the highest, uh, I guess the highest uh, characters to have is to have hospitality, which means for us in Vanuatu, uh, you can be giving the truth, you can be honest person and man of integrity, uh, good stewardship in that. But because you didn't give a cup of water to someone when they were thirsty and you told them, go and get your own water, uh, you could be the most evil person in Vanuatu. And then you could have another person who's just complete reprobate, has multiple wives and just a big mess and rip people off everywhere. But because he gives a cup of water to everybody that he meets, he's the best person in Vanuatu. Uh, so that might help you to understand why our political system's a little bit corrupt in Vanuatu. Uh, but it sort of ties in there. And so uh, people in poverty, tend to give far beyond 
what those of us who, who have things uh, would be able to give. But they gave, and we want to we want to take some illustrations or some, some thoughts from this. They gave in spite of their circumstances. Uh, they did what they could, uh, where they were, and it tells us that they did even beyond that. Uh, we have people visit us um, in Vanuatu. They came over on teams and that. And uh, sometimes we'll get some business people that will come over. And I remember one time this one business person came over and uh, he had he had quite enough finances to do whatever he wanted to do. And uh, I remember him telling us, you know what you guys need? You guys need a helicopter. And, you know, we're, we're hiking through the jungle. And I'm like, that would be, yeah, that'd be, I'd be happy with a helicopter. Usually when people say, I, I think you guys should get a helicopter, I think of like all the other things, like how much is it going to cost to run it? Who's going to fly it? Helicopters are most likely to crash. I'm going to get killed in a helicopter. That's what I think. But, uh, you know, I'm like, yeah, that would be great. A helicopter would be fantastic. And there was one instant where we did actually get a helicopter. It's a long story, but we flew into a village that takes us four hours to hike into. took us three and a half minutes in the helicopter. And I can tell you now, I wish I had never hopped on that helicopter. Because now when I hike, I'm like, three and a half minutes. <laughs> three and a half minutes. <laughs> you know, but uh, this guy says, we should get a helicopter. And so I'm standing beside my truck, and my tires were almost completely bald, and I'm sort of kicking the tires, and I'm like, yeah, we really need some new tires. No, you need a helicopter. I'm like, new tires would be great. And, and he just kept talking about helicopter the whole trip. Uh, went back home. We obviously don't have a helicopter in Vanuatu. That's not the story. Uh, but neither did we get some new wheels for our truck. And uh, what I was trying to hint to the guy uh, in a really sort of nice way was, Helicopter would be great, but what we actually need is some tires for this truck, uh, which is not going to cost anywhere near as much as a helicopter. Uh, but uh, we do this uh, with the Lord in, in certain instances. We find ourselves in particular circumstances in life, in particular position that God has placed us in, and we look, we look to things that are not attainable. Uh, you know, oh, well, we could do this or we could do that, but, but, but God's saying, well, use what you have and where you are uh, within the circumstances that you are. I remember our first missions conference in Vanuatu. So our church in Vanuatu that I pastor, uh, in 2002, we had our first missions conference. And a little bit different from here, but uh, uh, we had a little piece of paper and uh, uh, we do what's called faith promise, where we circle a little amount and we make a promise to that. And I remember the first time we, we made the little papers, I'm thinking, okay, most people at that time, make about $1.50 an hour if they have a job. And so I'm thinking, uh, you know, I'll, I'll put like five cents on the little thing and 10 cents and 20 cents and, you know, a dollar. And I thought, ah, I'll put down $5, but highly unlikely anyone's going to circle that, uh, you know, to give to the Lord a week. And I remember one of the people in my church, my deacon actually, he approached me with a piece of paper. He said, Pastor, you're making fun of us? I said, what do, what do you mean I'm making fun of you? He's like, five cents? Who's going to give five cents a week to missions? That's so small. That's too small. And I thought, yeah, but in proportion to your wage, uh, five cents is pretty good. And, uh, but he didn't see it that way. He said, no, don't even put five cents on there. That's, that's just that's mocking us, you know. And I sort of, okay, I sort of learned from there. And, and uh, people sort of did that and got part of Missions Conference. And, and uh, that was in 2012. And our first missions giving was, was about, around about uh, a year's wage. A year's wage is what the church sort of committed to that. And uh, since then, the church is now uh, giving uh, double the original amount that we had planned. And uh, people are now circling the $5 amount uh, per week to give to missions, which is, you know, about sort of two or three hours worth of wages if you want to sort of work that in time in proportion to what you're giving to the Lord. And uh, from that, uh, our church is now supporting four young guys who are missionaries, who are working elsewhere, who are now starting six churches. And so uh, ha that happens from a small group of people 
that I thought, you know what, if they can give five cents, they're going to be doing good. They're going to be doing good. And, and God has increased from there. Uh, God has increased from there. And now we have churches in the jungle and things are happening and, and the work is growing. But we work within what God has given us, within the means that God has given us. Uh, you know, the great thing about giving, not that I'm preaching on giving, but the great thing about giving is you don't have to be rich to do it. I remember in Vanuatu when we thought about doing missions, we sort of thought, should we really do missions? Like, people really don't have a lot of money in our church. I mean, we're just struggling tithing and sort of putting some fuel in the truck and, and covering these means. Can, can we really do this? But in reality, that's the wrong thought. Of course we can, because giving is not for the rich. Uh, giving is for everybody who, who can get involved. Uh, and verse 1, it tells us a strange thing, and I used to remember reading this and sort of uh, trying to try to understand it, but he says, uh, the grace of God, the grace of God. Uh, different churches call giving to missions, faith promise, and different things. But uh, the Bible puts it this way. It says, the grace of God. And you think about the word grace. What is grace? It's, it's unmerited favor, unmerited, undeserved favor of God upon us. Uh, you know, you p- hear people make this statement when you ask them to do something or, or to be a part of something, and you make this statement, it would be my privilege be my privilege. In other words, I would be honored to be a part of that. Uh, I, would, I would like to be a part of that. What the Bible is telling us here is that the giving towards uh, this project that was taking place here in Corinthians, that it was a grace. In, my, in other words, being a part of giving to God is, is undeserved, unmerited favor. What does that mean? It's a privilege to be a part of what God's doing. That's what it's getting at. It's actually saying that this is not something that you have to do. This is not something that you would want to do. Want to do. This is something that you are privileged to do. Now you see that Jesus did this all throughout the Bible. Now we understand this, that, that God doesn't need us. I hope you understand that, right? God doesn't need us. Uh, Jesus didn't need anybody to walk around with him or to help him out. But constantly, time and time again, God says, I am going to use you. That's called grace. And Jesus did this with people as well. As you think about uh, his first miracle, as he took uh, the water and he turned it into into wine from there, uh, people had to fill those big basins of water up. What did Jesus do using those people? They got to be a part of what he was doing. Uh, You have a look at the, the little boy as Jesus fed the multitudes. Jesus didn't need to use the little kid's lunch. But he gave some grace towards that kid to be a part of what he was going to do. You see that as Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, he didn't need people to remove uh, the the materials from Lazarus' body. But he said, you know what, I'm going to use some people. Because they're going to get to be a part of what I'm doing. I remember thinking as a missionary kid, uh, every time someone would make a call to surrender to missions or, or make a call to go or make a call to serve, I would think, uh, that the call was, hey guys, God needs our help. He really needs our help. Anybody want to help God? Anyone at all? Okay, no one's helping God right now. It's okay. We're going to do this without you for now. Uh, but we really do need some people to help God. It was kind of how I would receive it. That I would sit down at a youth conference and I'd be like, God needs a lot of help. But yeah, I'm good. There's a lot of other people here. They can help him. But... At one stage, I realized, as I started to understand more about the Word of God and who God was, that God was saying, hey, who wants to be a part of what I'm doing? Who wants to be privileged? Who wants to be honored? Who wants to say, hey, I get to be a part of doing this? Jesus uses people 
And he turns around and says, it's grace. It's, it's a grace to be used of God. It's a grace to be able to get, be a part of what God is doing here on earth. He didn't have to use them, but he allowed them. I love this because the Apostle Paul says when they wanted to give to him, uh, he did the same thing that we all do uh, when you're in someone's home and, and they're not as fortunate as you are, they're not as blessed as you are, and they want to give you something. You say, no, 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 it's okay. No, no, I'm, I'm okay. No, I'm okay. No, thank you. Uh, it's okay. No, you just keep that. But the Apostle Paul had to do that with this church. They said, we want to give. Oh, it's such a small amount. Just, just hold on to it, guys. You guys, you guys don't have a lot. Just, just keep that. Uh, we'll, get, we'll cover it somewhere else. We'll get some other churches to cover it. Uh, but the, they said, no, we, we want to be a part of this. We want to give. Paul turned around and said, okay, let's receive it. Uh, what, what did they give? They gave, the Bible tells us, all they could and more. I remember when we took our first missions conference, uh, one of my daughter's friends actually circled one of the amounts there that was $2. And that's quite a large amount uh, for Vanuatu, $2 a week. And uh, I remember my daughter speaking to her, and she was like, how are you doing that? How are you doing that? She said, well, every week my mom gives me $2 uh, to buy uh, snacks and things when I go to school. She said, I I figured that I'll just do without those snacks and things, and then I can be a part of giving to missions. And uh, you sort of sit there, and you sort of think through that, and you, you say, what is that? That's somebody doing all they could and more within the means that God has given them. A true giving is not, it, it, true giving is measured, if you want to measure true giving, by obedience in proportion and need, not by amount. It's, it's not an amount. You know, when the widow's mite, and I love this, this story as you look there in scripture, when the, when the widow gave that little tiny amount of money, there's a few things that happened that, that uh, we, we probably wouldn't allow to happen. First of all, if you're that poor, keep your money. That's what we would think. If you're that poor, no, no, you just hold on to that. We'll, we'll give to you. We'll look after you. That's the first thing that we would think. Secondly, she was giving to a corrupt religious system, which probably used some of that money to maybe even give some money to Judas to, to betray Jesus. Quite possibly, some of those finances could have gone towards that. But Jesus doesn't sit there and, and talk through that part, all, that, all those sort of things that we would sit down and think through, Right? Oh, we want to be good stewards. Well, you know, got to figure this out. I don't know. I'm not really sure if that church can be good stewards of what I'm giving. Jesus turns around and just looks at the person and the heart. The person and the heart. And he says, you know what? This person had just that might and she gave it all. And she's going to be blessed for that. Not because, well, she gave it to the wrong group. <laughs> You're not going to get anything from that. No, no. She gave to the Lord. She gave to the Lord's work. She gave to God and she received a blessing uh, for that. It's never about the quantity, but it's about the sacrifice. People in the third world, in places like Vanuatu, and I truly believe this, can be just as blessed with the small amount that they give to the Lord when someone in proportional wise gives to the Lord. And this really, when we think about it, goes against everything that this world tells us what we ought to value. The world would not make it out that way. But, uh, but, but God's kingdom is not like this world. Uh, God's kingdom is incredible in the fact that uh, we can be blessed in whichever circumstances and wherever God has placed us. Remember once a, a pastor uh, did this at his church once um, and he told everybody to stand up and uh, reach out in front and they all reached out in front and said, pull out the wallet or the purse of the person in front of you. And he pulled that out. He said, now give what you've always wanted to give to church today. <laughs> 
you know, sort of, sort of changes a little bit when it's, uh, when it's not coming from your own wallet. Uh, but uh, what did they give? They tell, the Bible tells us they gave in poverty. They gave in poverty. But how, how did they give? Uh, and what did they give? Verses 5 tells us, this is very important. He says, And this they did, not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord. First gave their own selves to the Lord. I remember once somebody meeting me in town, uh, in our town there called Luganville, and he came up to me and he said, uh, you're a pastor. I said, that's correct. And he said, uh, I would like to give my tithe to you. Reached into his pocket and pulled out uh, uh, an envelope full of money. And I actually said, oh, don't, 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 don't touch me with that. And he's sort of giving it to me. I said, no, 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 I, said, I, said, I, said, I can't take that. He said, no, I want to give my tithe because I'm going to get blessed. I said, it doesn't really work that way. It's not going to really. I said, why don't you come along to our church, and then when we take up the offering, you can place that in there. And uh, that's how it's, that's, there's a process here. It, it doesn't work. You know, he's thinking, tithe is to the Lord. I'm going to live my life the way I want, but as long as God gets that, I'm all good. I'm set. And uh, sometimes we can do this with our giving, with our missions. Uh, we, can, we can look at it as, an, as a way to, to clean our own hands from having to do any work, uh, to, to sort of do that. I remember when I was in uh, church, uh, there's one thing that I hate, hate. I just can't stand this. This is one of those things growing up as a kid. I hate cutting grass. Hate cutting grass. I tell you why. One, lawnmowers hate me. I don't know why. They just hate me. They just decide not to work when I touch them. Uh, two, uh, in Vanuatu, you'd have to cut the grass twice a week because that's how fast it would grow. Uh, and so it was one of those things that I just, you know, get grass all over you and you're sweating to death because it's humid and stuff. So I just, I didn't like, so in Bible school, uh, on Saturday was grass cutting, you know, cleaning the yards of the church and stuff. And I remember I had the option of working. I could work Saturday morning, make a little bit of extra money or turn up to church to do the... And I remember approaching one of the leaders of the church there, and I said, can I just, like, give what it would cost to hire somebody to cut the grass? Because, honestly, I'd rather work and then get the money and just give the... Yeah, is that... And then I remember him telling me, he said, it's not, it's not about the grass. It's not about the grass. It's about people getting involved. And I was kind of like, okay, so I can get involved elsewhere? <laughs> so how can I get myself out of this? And that's not what missions is. Missions isn't how can I get myself out of this? How can I clean my hands from having to, do, uh, to get involved or having to get involved? But the Bible tells us that they gave of themselves first. I remember we used to sing a song in Vanuatu and, and most uh, mission fields and probably in PNG as well. You have uh, people already sing songs before you get there. They're very religious. It's part of their culture. And uh, so we would sing these songs that I don't know where they're from. And, uh, and sometimes I wouldn't even know what the words were. And sometimes the people singing them didn't know what the words were. I'll give you an example. I was at one church and they were singing this song. Uh, and, and I don't sing this song in my church because I can't stand it. But it was Jesus is the Winner Man and teams love it. They're like, oh, we love this song. I'm like, it's English. It's not even in Bishlama. Come on, guys. Uh, but uh, uh, we're singing in this church and then they were singing... We are all the losing men, the losing men. And they're singing, we're on the losing side. And I was like, wait a second. We're on the losing side? What are you guys doing? And I sort of leaned over and I was like, we're on the losing side? He said, I don't know what we're singing. <laughs> they don't know English, so they're just singing the tune. Uh, so this happens in mission fields. And I remember we had this one song, 
uh, it was the offering song. And we take up an offering. We have the offering plate at the front. And then everyone comes to the front. And it's a, it's a logistical nightmare when the church gets bigger and your aisles aren't big enough. Uh, but uh, this is, you, I tried getting rid of it. And it was like I almost created a war. Uh, so we keep the offering plate at the front. Everyone comes up the front and gives their offering. It becomes like a big event, like, you know, turn around and shake someone's hand. It's a big event for the church. And we would sing this one song. And the song was, Give him, give him, give him, praise in long God. Give him, give him, give him. It's very similar to English. Praise in long God. Suppose where you know God, you give him life blue you. Give him, give him, give him, praise him long God. Now you know why I'm preaching and not singing. Uh, so that's how the song went. You're like, was that a different language? It sounded like English. It's Bishlam. It's a pigeon. Well, what the song is actually saying is, it's pretty simple. Give, 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 give. Give to the Lord. Uh, give, 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 give to the Lord. Uh, give, 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 give to the Lord. If you don't have anything, then give yourself. And I thought, oh, this is a great song. So we'd sing this song for years. And then one day I was sitting there realizing, hang on a second, this song has got it upside down. This song has got it upside down. It's not give if you have give. And those of you who don't, just give yourself and become a missionary. And I hope that's not how young people are sort of raised, but... I know for myself, speaking from experience, I remember I had a desire to go uh, become a missionary or go into full-time ministry at the age of 16. And I remember being at a youth group and the youth leader, unintentional or intentionally, I don't know if he did, but he started asking people, what are you going to do for a living? You know, the age-old question, uh, you know, what are you going to do for a living? You're like, I don't know, I'm still trying to make a living, so it really hasn't happened for me. But what are you going to do for a living? And so these kids, uh, uh, quite smart kids in this youth, and one said, I'm, I want to be a heart surgeon. And he actually is a heart surgeon now, so he wasn't even joking. But I want to be a heart surgeon. And it was like, whoa, heart surgeon. Oh, that's incredible. Heart surgeon for the Lord. That's fantastic. What do you want to be? I want to be a school teacher. Oh, that's fantastic. That's great. And sort of went through the list. I want to be a physiotherapist. Oh, that's fantastic. Great, great. And then they came to me. I was like, I want to be a missionary. And it was like, well, that's probably all you can do anyway. But so next person over here. And that's how the vibe that I picked up which is kind of sad because it ought to be completely different. Uh, but as we sort of think through that, and here's the, here's the concept they gave of themselves first. I like to ask young people something, and that is, what do you see yourself doing in 20 years? And usually the response is nothing right now, but uh, uh, usually the response is kind of this or that or that. But really the response that I'm looking for is serving God. I don't care what I'm going to be doing in 20 years. But the one thing that I really want to be doing is serving God. That ought to be our desire because they gave of themselves first before they gave. They gave of themselves first. We ought to understand that, that uh, we ought to give of ourselves first. And then they turned around and they pleaded with him that they wanted to give. They, they pleaded. I've personally never had this happen. Uh, but uh, they, you know, I don't know if pastors ever had this happen. This might be a problem at Good Shepherd. But uh, someone approaches you, Pastor, can I please give? I just need to give. Can I give? Well, no, actually, right now we don't know. That, that, that doesn't happen. But this is what happened with these people. And you've probably had this before. You're in someone's house. You've already had some food or you're going to dinner after that. And they plead with you to have something. Right? Can you have some biscuits? Have this. Have that. And, and at first you're like, oh, no, no, no. Eventually uh, you're taking it in. But they pleaded. They, they wanted to be a part of this. They, they had a desire to want to be a part of it. 2 Corinthians chapter 2. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 15, and says, And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. This church, these churches 
in Macedonia understood the concept that they no longer belonged to themselves and they wanted to get involved in what God was doing. It tells us in verses 3, why did they give? They gave out of joy. They gave out of joy. It says, uh, it tells them in, in, uh, that they gave out of joy. Then he turns around and, and he tells the church, he encourages them and he says, I want you to prove the sincerity of your love in verses 8. Why did they give? They gave because of the joy. Matthew 6, 21 says, It is more blessed to give than to receive. It's more blessed to give than to receive. I don't know about you guys, but that's probably one of the hardest things, being a missionary, is that you're on the receiving end. You're on the receiving end. I remember I met someone once. He said, oh, brother, I have the gift of receiving. I'm like, I'm pretty sure it's not a gift of receiving. <laughs> uh, uh, but, uh, you know, you sort of understand this, that it's, it's always more blessed to give. I mean, you, that's why we, Christmas has gone crazy now and birthdays and things. It's so much more blessed to be able to give to somebody to be able to be a part of that. And uh, the Bible tells us that uh, uh, there is joy in that. There is, there is a blessing in that. Even people who are non-Christians understand this concept. When they say, oh, I just want to give back to the world. It's like, well, that doesn't make sense to me. But, but sure, you know, oh, I, I just such a great work that you're doing because you're helping people. You're giving. And Jesus told us it's, 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 it's just going to, it's more blessed to be giving uh, tend to receiving. He gets done boasting about them, so, them. And then he does something, and I love this. Because what Paul could have done right here is he could have got done talking about them and the incredible sacrifice, and I could do that this morning about people in Vanuatu. And he doesn't turn around and say, and now you bunch of filthy, rich snobs in Corinthians, what are you guys going to do? He doesn't do that. He doesn't even turn around and bounce it off from here and say, and look at what they did, what are you doing? He doesn't, he doesn't use like a, a guilt trip. That's not what Paul's doing here. Uh, Paul doesn't turn around and say, now you guys have to do the same thing. That's, that's not what he's doing here. Uh, but he's, he's using them as an example to encourage them. And then he turns around and says, now I want you guys to get involved. And he's going to take us from verses 7 and just very quickly, we're going to read through it. He gives them how they ought to give. So he says, this is what they did. But that's not what I'm asking you to do. This is what I'm actually asking you to do. So, so sometimes we hear the story and we think, I've got to sacrifice everything to amount to anything. And Paul's saying, no, that, that's not, I'm just using this as a story for you so you can get what's, what God's done in their hearts. That God can do something in your heart as well. So he says in verses 8, I speak not by commandment. This is not a commandment, but by occasion of the forwardness of others because of what they did. And to prove the sincerity of your love. Prove the sincerity of your love. Verse 7, he says, Therefore, as ye abound in everything, in faith, in utterance, in knowledge, and in all diligence, and in, in your love to us, see that ye abound in this grace also. He says, you know what? You guys are a great church. Now, this is Corinthians. Uh, so uh, he says, you guys have got plenty of faith. I don't know if he's being uh, um, a little bit, you know, sort of exaggerating here or something. But uh, he says, you, you know, you guys have got everything together. But this one thing you're not doing. You're not doing. I remember a missionary coined this word once. He said uh, he went to a church and he sort of called them up to arrange a meeting. And, uh, and he asked them, he says, are you guys a praying church or a paying church? Praying church or a paying church? And, uh, you know, it sort of sounds funny, but, uh, but uh, you know, I guess you get the idea from there. But here's the reality. You, you can't be a praying church without being a paying church. 
It doesn't work that way. You can't be a great, fantastic, incredible Christian and you don't get involved in anything that's happening and you don't give to anything that's happening. It doesn't work that way. What Paul is saying is saying, hey, church, God's got everything except for your wallet. God's got everything happening at Corinthians except for this one thing, this one thing that you're missing out on. He turns around and he says, prove your love. There was an advertising campaign years ago that started the whole concept of engagement rings. I remember people in Vanuatu asked me, well, what's this ring business? And apparently the advertising firm decided the idea what they'd come up with is that the price of your wedding ring, and this might reflect poorly on some of us here, so don't beat me up later on, ought to be two months wages. That's how much a wedding ring should cost. Whoa, that's yeah, that's more than I paid. <laughs> uh, but uh, it, was a, it was a great advertising campaign. It sort of went from there, and that, that's still going now. That's why people just don't go and buy the, you know, uh, 50-cent one or the $2 one, you know, that looks like it, but isn't it, you know. And that's a, it's such a weird thing. You're like, oh, let me see the ring. Oh, it's like I can go to the jewelry shop and look at all the rings all day, and it doesn't have the effect, right? Why, why is it so powerful when it's on someone's finger? I don't know, but it's like a superpower. It's like, and you're like, oh, look at the ring. It's like, I want to look at the people that just got engaged. I don't really, I can see rings all day long. You know, oh, look at the ring. Oh, look at, the, you don't see people doing that in jewelry shops. Um, okay, but uh, why, why are you looking at the ring? I want to see the sincerity of that guy's love when I see the ring. Oh, look at the diamonds. You know, he must really love you. And you sort of pick it up from there. But uh, Paul is saying, hey, prove your love. The sincerity of your love. Uh, yesterday there was a royal wedding. I'm not sure if you knew about it or not. Uh, 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 you may, you may have or not. Depends where you stand on all that. But, uh, uh, but uh, what was that? It was a proof of love. Marriage is a proof of your love. Are you willing to commit for a lifetime? Is that something that you're willing to commit to? Is that something that you're willing to do? And Paul says, "Hey, here's an opportunity to prove uh, your love, Corinthian church." He says. Who's our example? And he says in verses 9, incredible verse, it says, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, that ye through his riches might be rich. You know, Jesus turned around, and we understand this, that it was through his poverty, not through his riches that you became rich, but through his poverty. He was born in a borrowed stable. He rode on borrowed boats. He was on borrowed donkeys. He hired rooms, and he ended up in a borrowed tomb. But I don't think that that's what the Bible's speaking about when it says Jesus became poor for us. A lot of us would think, oh, yeah, Jesus was poor. He was poor. Jesus was poor when he stepped out of heaven. That's poverty right there. Stepping out of heaven, the moment he stepped onto earth, even if he was the richest, even if he was the Bill Gates of the world when he stepped onto earth, he still would have been poor because he came out of heaven. Jesus did that. Why? So that. We could be made rich. Ah, I like this pastor. I like this message, pastor. This is good. Preach on this one. That's why we're going to be rich, because Jesus was poor. Now we're all rich. That's not what Jesus, Jesus is not talking about physical uh, things here, but he's talking about spiritual, true riches, eternal riches. He turns around and says, who's our example? The Lord Jesus Christ. Then he says in verse 10, it's good for you. And Aaron, I give my advice, for this is expedient for you who hath begun before not only to do, but also to be forward a year ago. He says, this is going to be good for you guys. It's expedient. This is a good thing to be a part of. Verses 11, he says, now therefore perform the doing of it. There's this saying that I, there's some sayings in English I don't understand. 
But this is one I don't understand. It's the thought that counts. Really? Like, that, that doesn't really work at Christmas, right? <laughs> Son, I wanted to buy you a motorbike, and I thought about it a lot, and it's the thought that counts. I love you, you know? <laughs> no motorbike. No, it, you, you, I, I know sometimes the, the application applies, but because uh, if you actually try to act upon it, that's when the thought counts, if you try to act upon it, but you couldn't. Uh, but really, uh, it's the thought that counts doesn't really apply. doesn't really apply. Uh, you said it, what the Apostle Paul is saying in verse 11, you said it, now do it. You said you were going to do this, now do it. Do what you said you were going to do. Technically, if the young people that I grew up with had done what they said they would do, uh, I would need for nothing in Vanuatu. Because as a person who wanted to go into ministry and was going to go to Bible school, all my friends, the teenagers who hanged out with me said, well, we'll work jobs and we'll fund you. I'm going to make a bunch of money and I'm going to send it to you. Well, it, it never happened. It was a good intention, but he's making buckets of money and there's nothing happening on my end over there. So it, it never happened. You know, the, the Bible is telling us, it, Paul is telling Corinthian churches, hey, you guys said you were going to do this. Now a bunch of other churches have hopped on board and are really hoping that you actually do what you said you were going to do. Because it would be kind of embarrassing if you didn't. He turns around and says, now, now do the thing that you said you were going to do. Then he says this, verses 12. For if there be first a willing mind, I'm willing, I want to do this. It is accepted according that a man hath and not according to that he hath not. I love this because it's that old concept of, Pastor, if I had a million dollars. How many times have you heard that? Oh, Pastor, well, now it's more than a million because a million is not as much as it was before. Pastor, if I had a billion dollars, if I had a billion dollars, Pastor, when I win lotto, this church is going to make it big. You know? You're like, oh, I need to do some counseling with you after that. <laughs> yeah, but Pastor, if I had that, well, what do you have is usually the response. What do you have? Let's work with that. That's what the Apostle Paul is saying. He's saying, hey, it's not about, oh, man, we could, I wish if we had. Well, what, what do you have? What do you have right now? And can, can, can you give that? Can you give out of that? Because that's where it's got to start. What, what do you have? Oftentimes when you enter a ministry and when we got to Vanuatu 10 years ago, you, you're all excited about doing all these things and everything. And then you look at the motley crew that you have. And it's kind of like David in the cave. When they turned up, they weren't mighty men. And you're kind of like, well, I need some mighty men. I need some mighty men. Oh, we don't have any. We're going to have to bring them in from somewhere else. Uh, but you look at what you have and you think, eh, this isn't, we can't. But then you actually look at the Bible and go, okay, this is what we have to work with. We have to work with what we've been given. We have to work with what we have. We have to work within our means. I remember someone from Luganville Baptist Church approached me. I never had someone do this before. And they said, uh, missionary, pastor. Um, you know the face promise thing that we do? I said, yes. He says, I've given it already. I said, well, it's great. Yeah, because, you know, you like do a weekly amount and then you can do the year. He just gave the yearly one in one go. So he would be on top of it. And he's like, but I really want to still give. Can I? Yeah. I'm like, mm. Gonna have to pray about this one. <laughs> you know, I will come back after hours of prayer and let you know. I'm like, ah, 
Yeah, you can still. Oh, oh, oh good, good. Because I thought, like, that was it. I can't give anymore. And I'm like, oh, I better make sure I clear that up next time I explain <laughs> faith promise. Yeah, just got to clear that one up. I've never had that before. Uh, but, uh, you know, that sort of took place. What happened? They gave what they have. They gave what they had. And God gave them more. So they turned around and said, well, we can, we can keep doing this. Because uh, we gave within our means and, and God's blessed and now we can keep going. I talked about this as I started this message. I said I wasn't going to talk about giving. So you can call me a liar after the service, but wait until I finish this one point. Here's the thing. I truly believe this. No one ever gives to missions. We invest. So really, I haven't spent this morning talking about giving. And if you've received it as giving, then you need to sort of think through that and study the scriptures a bit more and, and learn a little bit more about God. It's never about giving when you do the Lord's work. You're investing. Uh, the widow was blessed for the might that she gave. She was blessed. Full stop. She was blessed. She invested. Not in the church and not in everything that was going on at the time, but she, she invested in what God was doing. When we think about getting involved in God's work, it really is about investing in the Lord's work. We're never called to, 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 to help God, but God is saying, hey, who wants to be a part of this? Who wants to be part of my grace? Unmerited, undeserved favor of God that we can actually be part of what he's doing here on this earth and around the world. If every, every head bowed and every eye closed, we're going to close in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, I just thank you for this opportunity to share your word this morning. Dear Lord, as we think about taking the gospel here and around the world, getting involved, dear Lord, we, we reflect upon, and I know this church in Macedonia was giving towards some things that were happening in Jerusalem with, with uh, famines and that, dear Lord, but the concept, first of all, dear Lord, is that we ought to give of ourselves. Dear Lord, no dollar amount can ever take away the fact that you need people that are first of all invested with their lives long before they become invested with their finances. Dear Lord, as we consider this church in Macedonia and, and poor and impoverished countries around the world, dear Lord, we can give within our means. Dear Lord, as we think about this church, there might be many different people from different walks of lives who had for a different dollar amount that they need to steward every week. Dear Lord, the call is not to give a certain amount, dear Lord, but dear Lord, the call is to give within the means that you've given us, dear Lord. Dear Lord, I pray that we might understand that we are never truly giving to you, but we are investing in your kingdom, dear Lord. We are investing in an eternal weight of glory. And dear Lord, help us not to delay in realizing that the investment starts now here on earth. Help us to have a new desire to once again be a part of that investment in your work.